Okay, so it's the 29th of July, day 712 of lockdown, and these are more of my uncensored, unfiltered, unedited thoughts from my brain to you uh, via this microphone in an audio log format. Uh, this one's going up late tonight. Uh, I played Dungeons and Dragons, or I run a Dungeons and Dragons game on a Wednesday night, and I usually record this before that, but I didn't have time this time because I went out and... Uh, sat in the meadows uh, which is a large grassy area in the middle of uh, Edinburgh with some friends which was nice and nice to have a spontaneous sort of meet up it's good that those things can still happen uh, obviously it was weird because we had to sit really far apart from each other uh, on the grass but it was nice it's just nice seeing people and I'm glad that that's a thing we're able to do uh, <laughs> hopefully while remaining safe um but yeah, the thing I want to talk about today is um, not what I thought I was going to talk about. Um, again, like that's what happens. I I go through these things where I'm like, oh, this will be something I can talk about, uh, and then uh, something else happens. And this is something that a lot of these, because obviously, like these audio logs exist mainly for me. Uh, I'm aware that not not a huge amount of people listen, and that's fine. They're not. That's not what it's for. It's for me to. F- filter my way from my own thoughts and uh, I have some thoughts on this that I'm not 100% formed yet so I'll be talking them through I guess uh, so today um, I saw an improviser I know was had posted about uh, an event which was looking for people to um, do readings of uh, like re- stuff by Roald Dahl um, uh, I always I always feel weird pronouncing Rodal's name because of my accent. It always feels like I'm not say like I don't want to be like Roald Dahl, but so but because of my accent it sounds like I'm just saying Roldal. <laughs> yeah, Roldal. Um and I was like, Oh, that's cool and then I was like I bet I could find a, a good extract from Matilda and I was like, I bet any extract is a good extract from Matilda so I went and found Matilda. Um, uh, I I have it <laughs> in my flat, uh, so that was easy. And um, man, like that book, man. Um, like I know that Roald Dahl has uh, uh, some, you know, uh, Roald Dahl is. Not a great dude was ne- was not a great dude from uh, his anti-Semitic. Uh, that's just a thing that we know, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, and was probably a misogynist and maybe abusive to his kids. Like again, these are all things that I'm aware of, but I wasn't aware of them when I was a kid. You know, one of the huge things about death, or the, oh, we talk about we talk about uh, death, the offer separating. Uh, separating uh, art from artist rather in this case is that it makes a huge difference in whether like for me a huge part of it is whether they're still alive and profiting from stuff and uh, he's not right Um, anyway I don't want to get too much into all that I don't know enough about it to get into it not needless to say I'm aware that there is issues around road now um that doesn't stop the fact 
that when I was younger, like I've talked before about how I was, like I read a lot when I was younger. And like the earliest stuff that I read, some of the earliest stuff I read was Road Down. Um, and like I read a lot of them. Like I think, <laughs> I don't think you grew up as a child in the UK of my generation or around that generation or slightly older and even slightly younger, I hope. And didn't just read all of the Road Down books. And like I, I loved, I loved the magic finger. I thought that was great. The twits made me laugh so much. The diagram of Mister Twit with the cornflake in his beard is like etched into my brain. <laughs> um, I also just love the fact that <laughs> I love the fact that it's, it's monkeys that save the day in that. Uh, is it called the giraffe mugwump in me? I can't remember what that's called. Uh, George's Marvelous Medicine, I never really got into. James and the Giant Peach, I adored. Um, I'll talk about some of the other ones in a second that I got into later, but my favourite growing up uh, was Matilda. 100%. Um, I can't... I'm, I know it's not a unique story to identify with Matilda, right? Um, but... As someone who read a lot as a kid and was a quiet, sensitive child, <laughs> um, Matilda is written for you. Like, that's the point, right? <laughs> like, it is written for people who like to read books. It is a book that is written for people who like to read books. Roldown knew what he was doing. And, like... It's fun, funny rereading the story. I forget, like, just quite how prodigious the character of Matilda is. Like, it's not just that she's quite smart. It's that she's... She is unrealistically smart. Like, Miss Honey doesn't believe her. <laughs> and, like, no, the whole thing is that nobody believes her, but Miss Honey doesn't even, right at the beginning, she's like, well, this, can't, this doesn't make sense. Um, and then he's like, well, but I can see it. It's actually happening, unlike, you know, the other adult characters. And the adult characters in, uh, in Matilda are grotesques, of course, apart from Miss Honey, who is incredible. Uh... <laughs> Um, oh, and, and the librarian, she's great as well. Uh, Mrs. Phelps, she's really cool. Uh, or Miss Phelps, sorry. Uh, she's great. But, like, obviously, like, the Trunchbull is the big one. Or Mr. Trunchbull, who's such a, such a, 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 a bizarrely grotesque figure. <laughs> um, but then, like, the small ones that you get you are Mr. and Mrs. Wormwood. Uh, and it's funny because in my brain, I, even when reading it, even though the descriptions don't fit in any way, my brain sees Mr. and Mrs. Wormwood immediately as uh, Danny DeVito and Ray Perlman. I can't not see them. Uh, I actually, oh, part of it is also because I prefer it that way because, and I hate, I hate how prevalent this is in kids' literature, right? And I know, I knew it was a part of Rodal's thing because it's a part of how he does the grotesque stuff. But, like, the way Mrs. Wormwood is described is awful. Uh, like, she's described as a point where she, her fat is described in a way that says it's trying to escape from her body. And it just made me feel really awful. And not like, oh, this woman's bad, but in a, ah, oh, fat phobia has been so prevalent for our society for so long that this beloved children's book just has it. And it, it's, not, it's not the only time he does it. And he doesn't always do it. Like, he has some very pleasant fat characters. But it's the way she's described is very weird. And so I prefer to envision her as, like, the wiry, 
uh, Rio Perlman instead. <laughs> and um, there's no, I don't have any problem with the way that Mr. Wormwood is described. I just think it's funnier that it's, it's Danny DeVito. Right, I'll get to the film in a second, though. Because uh, this book, like, obviously, obviously, is beloved by millions, right? I loved, I remember uh, the library, my school library had this poster about how you should read, and it was Matilda sitting on top of a big pile of books and the Quentin Blake illustration. You know, you'll have seen that illustration, and it's per- it's a perfect illustration, right? Just fantastic. Quentin Blake is incredible. Like, Quentin Blake's work on those Roald Dahl books is stunning. Like I say, I remember that pic, that, that diagram of, um, <laughs> the close-up, I keep saying diagram, that close-up of Mr. Uh, uh, that, uh, of Mr. Twit's beard of all of the, um, the labelled parts, and also the kids who have been glued to Mr. Twit's, uh, tree like running off with leaving their trousers behind <laughs> I like, I re- <laughs> like the twits has so many visual bits that i really remember but matilda's the one that i remember so much how i feel about it and it makes me so it makes me feel simultaneously sad and blessed because <laughs> uh matilda is such a such a story that resonates with so many of these kids right so many kids and I'm very lucky and my parents were very supportive of everything right um like super supportive of me but obviously there are people out there whose parents are not supportive of them and it's it's that thing that must suck but just the, the way that Matilda is written as this sort of outsider and the way that people act around her and the way that she has to downplay her own abilities like and whether that is her uh, academic abilities or later spoiler alert for this kid's book <laughs> from like 40 50 years ago <laughs> longer than that right i don't remember when it was written i don't know when it was written really it's just always existed to me but spoiler alert for children's book for your childhood uh, she she gains telekinetic powers, <laughs> right? That's that's the thing that I sometimes forget that people don't know about this. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it starts off with her doing pranks to get, like sort of like to punish her parents, who are t- who are awful, uh, and they punish her for they like shout at her for reading books and they treat her terribly. And she's she is f- like four and then five over the course of this book. Like, it is wild how horrible they are to a four-year-old. Like, it is really extreme, some of the stuff that they say to her. Um, But then, I say it's really extreme. It's not that extreme to, you know, some of the things. Like, obviously, the stuff that Mrs. Trutchville does with putting people in in an Iron Maiden full of, like, broken glass and nails... Or grabbing a, a girl uh, by the pigtails and throwing her like a hammer. <laughs> like, obviously, those are ridiculous. There's even a, like, Matilda even says, uh, if you're going to um, do something awful, uh, make it as outrageous as possible, uh, therefore people won't believe you. Like, won't, <laughs> so people people won't believe people telling their story. And I, I that resonated so much with how the world works nowadays, right? I felt some Trump in Trunchbull there, and I did not like it. 
uh, like, oh, just keep doing really horrific things that make them so horrific that people can't believe you would actually do them. And I'm like, yep, that's uh, American foreign policy right there for the past 20 years. Ooh, satire. But, um, <laughs> like, this idea of being an outsider, Matilda is such a perfect example of an outsider. Like, even her friends, like Lavender and her allies and later family, like Miss Honey, don't get her, right? Like, they don't quite understand her. There's a whole bit about um, Miss Phelps, the librarian, just watching her read and not understanding. And that really resonated with me more than I would have done when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I would probably just be laughing at the... No, they glued a hat onto his head, they dyed his hair. Uh, they put the lizard on it, he ate a whole chocolate cake. <laughs> oh man, the, <laughs> the illustration, the quite a blank illustration of Bruce Bogtrotter after he's finished eating the cake is incredible. He looks so happy. It makes me so happy just to see it and just to think about it. It truly is just a wonderful, wonderful story um and like a part of it has led me to like think back to when I was a kid and I always struggle with this I've talked about this before I my memories of that are so muddled I don't know if that's a result of my anxiety or my OCD or just because I've got a bad memory (laughs) could be all three uh but I remember I went to a small primary school in Galston I was one of a class of, I think there was 12 of us. And we were sort of allowed to go on at our own pace. Um, I've definitely thought about this before. And I was remember there was a teacher that I had. I didn't even really have him. He came into our class to teach like an hour of more advanced stuff. He was like, he wasn't our teacher. He was like one of the more advanced teachers. And this was in like primary school, early primary school. He's called Mr. Marshall. And I remember overhearing him talk to my parents. And my mum's talked about this before as well since then. About me being a special child, right? And I I let out a deep sigh as I said that. Because I think that's such a strange position to put people in, right? And I, like, parents and children. To be like, hey, we might want to do something more with this child. (laughs) It's like, that should just be how it is, right? Like, people should be able to... I don't know, I have a weird thing. I don't know enough about child development, right? But it always feels weird to me that everyone's in the same class because of their age. And everyone's doing the same thing. And I get that that's because we've got limited resources. And because there has to be a cut-off somewhere. But I remember, like, there was people in my class who were so much better than me at art. And we were doing the same art stuff. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me. That They should be doing more advanced art stuff, right? They should be look, looking into perspective and um, studying brushstrokes and stuff like that. And I can barely draw a stick figure. Um, like, and I, you know, I read, I was a, I, I, I say I was a prodigious reader. I read a lot. And I read advanced stuff. Nowhere near to the extent of Matilda. Although, actually, I say that. No, I wasn't reading Dickens at five, but I was reading Dickens at ten. Or, you know, 
yeah, that would have been when I started reading Dickens. <laughs> and I mean, again, like Matilda, I didn't understand a lot of it, but I was reading it, and that part of it was this. Um, I just liked. I liked the words, <laughs> and part of it was that um, it was something that I was good at. I I I always understood. I always found it easy to understand sentences. <laughs> Does that make sense? That's a ridiculous thing to say. But, like, storytelling always made sense to me. Storytelling still makes sense to me. I still see the world... Through, I was talking to someone about this the other day in relation to history. Uh, the relation specifically to the history of the Stonewall riots. Uh, the podcast about it called... Um, oh, You're Wrong About, which is a great podcast. I recommend it. And it was You're Wrong About Stonewall, the Stonewall... Uh, riots and it was fascinating but anyway so then we're talking about storytelling there like my brain is just wired for storytelling so reading books and reading into books so like reading it and going oh this was a book about this this is a book where this happened but it was about this it was it's always been something that made sense to me and i've got and i don't think that makes me smart <laughs> right this is the way that well, the way the schools are set up is like that was seen by this by Mr. Marshall, a very like teacher who wanted to encourage me to do stuff as being smart or than other people, and I don't like that, or being uh, more advanced, and I don't like that. And I sort of, but because I, ah man, I am, um, I have trouble with this so much. Because there's a lot of discourse on the internet about this as well. When you're a child and you're sort of labelled as gifted by anyone for any reason in any field. Whether that's like you're an incredible, like, oh, this uh, this girl's great on the football field. She's going to be, she's we should, we should push her for that. Or this guy's great at tennis, we should push him for this. Or this person's a great artist, like I said. Or, you know, like... It, it always feels weird to me because you know you're a kid, and I get that like uh, promoting someone's um, talents that makes perfect sense to me, and giving people giving someone the space to work through that and figure it out. But for me, what it did was it just led to this weird feeling, and it's what Matilda like talks about this. By the end of it, she doesn't she loses her special special powers because she doesn't need them you know she's still very smart but she doesn't need psychic powers you know or telekinetic powers specifically and I got eventually I got the, the expectation that I put on myself no one else was putting this expectation on me because like I moved to school uh, and there was this weird thing where I moved to school primary f- and primary four, so pri- the end of primary four, so primary five. I've talked about this before because this is what led to me ending up in a position where I didn't have any friends. Uh, for no one's fault in particular, just because that's how things shook out and I was dealing with a lot of stuff around, um, I mean definitely stuff around my, exi- my identity, which is what led to my anxiety, which is what led to my OCD. Hey, uh, it was at that school that I had the that first. Um, oh no, that was this is the primary school. But I went from being a class of twelve people to being a class of sixty people, and uh, we weren't able to just read whatever we wanted <laughs> or to read ahead. So like, I basically was like, oh, I'm reading this 
book of the I'm at the magic key and I'm like no we're still doing you know um Kepper is it Kepper Biff and oh what's what's the guy's name it's not Biff and Chips is it no that's a friend of Dandy but you know you know the thing I mean like the kids these kids books uh and I was pull, pulled back like four or five books and I was like, okay, I've already read these and done these worksheets and talked about this. And I started to just get very lazy about it, I think. And also, there was just so much other stuff going on in my brain that I couldn't really focus on this. So I was like, so I took to, like I say, I took to reading, um, once I got to high school, I took to reading my own, like reading reading outside of the class. Cause I was, and being like, Doing enough to get by in class, you know. My uh, English teacher, <laughs> my English teacher, I had the same English teacher throughout all high school, apart from one year, um, or two years. I uh, sorry, but I had it for four, four of the six years, including advanced higher English. Um, uh, and it became a running, not a running joke, but it came a sort of expectation that she would come to me, like saying, "Hey, so do you have your homework? Do you have your essay done?" Knowing that the answer would be no, right? And um, I think about there's a point in Matilda where Miss Honey says, "I think we should move her up to the year eleven class." Like to the, like she, which is mad. She's just started school. Like I think we should move her up to on the with the eleven year olds, which is not year eleven, <laughs> uh, with the eleven year olds. And I'm like, dude, it's, I mean, I get it, but also, like, ask her. And she does, to Miss Donnie's credit, she does ask her what she wants later on. But I don't know. I think a lot about Matilda. And the film, I love the film so much. Danny DeVito is, like, because it moves it to America, which should be a huge change, right? But it doesn't really work, like, it doesn't really matter. And like to say, Danny DeVito and Maria Perlman are fantastic. Pam Ferris is incredible as Miss Trumpetrunchbow. Emmeth Davids, who plays uh, Miss Honey, this is a really weird one, or no, maybe not that weird. The, the queer femme community, um, as a whole, seems to have a huge cross on Emmeth Davids as uh, Miss Honey. Like, this is, I, I've seen so many tweets that are just like, "Hey, did anyone like?" really fancy Miss Honey it's like yeah like loads of people because she was like really empathetic and caring and nice uh, right it's not a huge and also you know she's also very attractive uh, also like uh, also Mara Wilson obviously right let's get into the Mara Wilson of all uh, you might have noticed that my name is Mara Joy I chose this name as you could may expect uh, it wasn't like it's not like somebody gave me a list and went pick one of these. I could pick from any of the names in the world, and uh, I knew I wanted it to be an M name because of my initials. I wanted to keep my initials. And like Mara, I wouldn't even have thought of. I wouldn't have known that Mara was a name if it wasn't for Mara Wilson, right? Who I grew up seeing in these films uh, and just being like. Like, you know, Mr. Doubtfire and Miracle 34th Street are whatever, you know, they're fine. But she was Matilda, you know? She was this example of this, 
idea that wasn't like a 100% like a copy of my life but someone I truly identified with identified with somebody who I identified with early on right and then (laughs) this is the great thing as I've got older and she's got older she wrote a book about being a child star which is hilarious it's fantastic it's I think it's called uh it's called don't I know you from something or uh it's something you can look it up and she's a playwright uh and um she writes articles and stuff and her twitter is incredible she's queer which is great uh she's just really like seems really grounded uh about like the fact that <laughs> about how mad her career is right like she worked with robin williams when she was like six that's <laughs> like what um and she seems really good after stuff and like it's quite funny because I sort of I now identify her with her now more than I identified than I identified with Matilda. <laughs> I identified with Matilda when I was younger, so yeah, like I not I didn't take my name to name myself after her, but I also didn't not do that. If that makes sense, um, <laughs> so I've got a lot of time for her. And like Rodale as well is something I don't think I've not thought about Rodale for a while, but. As I, as I got older, one of the other fun things about Rodal is, when you get older, there's other stuff that you can start, you can read uh, Boy and Going Solo, his uh, biographies. You can read stuff like Danny, Champion of the World, which is slightly older. And then you can read uh, The Wonderful Tale of Henry Sugar, um, which is an incredible story, you know? Just, just incredible. And then that leads you on to the tales of the unexpected and like his short stories and his short stories. And this is the wild thing. When I got older I, and I got into more of these things, Rodolph's short stories are fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Like a lot of them, like I say, were, were used for these TV series, Tales of the Unexpected. So you can find them in a lot of these, um, of like books of that name. But they were written like as these stories and because uh, World of Story of Henry Sugar is slightly longer than a short story. Like, it's more of like a novella, I guess. But I had it as a book, or my brother had it, and I inherited it as a book with, um, like, five or six other stories in the back of them, some of which are in these Tales of the Unexpected Committee. Like, I've got... I have, like, a huge... It's so funny, my rolled out collection is that... That, <laughs> that Tales of the Unexpected... Sorry, that wonderful story of Henry Sugar, um, Charlie Chocolate Factory, The Great Guest Elevator, Matilda, The Twits, uh, and then a huge compendium of short stories. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and um, those short stories are incredible. The twists in them are so good. The characters in them are so fantastic. There's one about a character who calls himself a fingersmith. I think it's called the fingersmith. And he's like a hitchhiker. It's called the hitchhiker, I think. Sorry. And he's a hitchhiker who is a professional uh, pickpocket. Or fingersmith, as he calls himself. Uh, <laughs> and that's just a great story. And then some of them are really dark and weird. Like, the royal jelly is the classic one, right? It's the one where they turn into bees. <laughs> sorry, it's huge, huge spoiler. 
And then they've got amazing ones like um ah oh, what is it called? The one with it's the I wish I could remember what it's called. It's the woman who kills her husband with a leg of lamb. Uh, and then what happens great after that is incredible. Uh, just so good. Like, and it's that weird thing where I know he was not a great guy. But those stories are so incredible. And his chat and his not his books of like again with Quentin Blake down there are were where my childhood and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't Matilda. She's literally like uh <laughs> The most special girl in the whole world. That's the whole point. She's, But she's there for you to identify with going, yeah, it's not just that you don't need psychic powers or like a prodigious reading to be special, right? You just need to be everyone is special. I think that's the idea, right? Like <laughs> anyone could be in this position where they're just like, where they are not appreciated for who they are. And yeah, and she is, and it's kind of incredible when she does that. And I love the ending of that book because she gets a happy ending. She has to read a bunch of books and live with someone who genuinely cares about her. And I already had the lives with someone who genuinely cares about them thing. <laughs> you know, I'm not. I, I definitely already had that. Um, and she finds that she's, you know, not an outsider, not a weirdo. I like the fact that Matilda would have done really well at, at university, <laughs> you know, and probably teaches it now, and like it's probably like a high school teacher, like a high, high school English teacher. I can totally see that. <laughs> anyway, I didn't really know where I was going with any of this. I was just thinking out loud, and you know, thinking about what it was like for me as a kid is something that I, I, I need to do more often because I don't really there's a lot of my childhood that I'm now looking back through this lens of gender and identity and so often it's it's the classic thing of what did I think was happening there <laughs> and then other times it's just like oh okay this I sort of already figured out but it takes on a new um layer when you know that I was going through this stuff about identity right I didn't know who I was so I identified with characters in books <laughs> and in TV but also but obviously like books were easier to get lost in then because we didn't have streaming you know <laughs> like I think genuinely if we'd had streaming I wouldn't when I was growing up, I wouldn't have read books because I would have just watched all of the TV <laughs> constantly just beaming it into my eyeballs. I already did that with the VHSs we had um, and the cartoons on the Saturday mornings and um, staying up late uh, to watch shows with my, my brothers. I like stories. I like stories about people that I connect with. This is not unique <laughs> and I really connected with Pintelda and I still do like reading that book today 
part of the nostalgia, sure, but part of it is just this feeling of, yeah, right? <laughs> People who mistreat her, she wants to get back at them really badly, you know? I, we can identify that. She's doesn't, she's not, she's really good at, like, academic stuff, but is, like, really humble about it because she doesn't know how not to be. Despite growing up in this really toxic family, and that's really inspiring. I think the fact that that's maybe the thing that inspires me the most, right? She grows up in this incredibly toxic household. Like, unbelievably toxic household. Like, genuinely abusive household. And she doesn't allow that to change her. She maybe gets, you know, goes over a bit overboard with some of her pranks. Some of them are outright dangerous. <laughs> but she's she remains, you know, a curious, thoughtful, innocent. And I think that's kind of incredible. <laughs> and I know she's a fictional character, right? I get that. <laughs> But it's, you know, you can be inspired by fictional characters. There's so much horrible stuff in the world, right? And you can let it poison you and twist you. Or you can use your psychic powers to jam a carrot in its mouth. (laughs) Metaphorically speaking, of course. Anyway, um... Stay safe, stay well, stay, uh, you know, protected, whether that's a home or with a mask. Stay educated, stay informed, stay empathetic, stay you. My name is Mara Joy. (laughs) Thank you. Goodbye.